everyone, and welcome to the dinner table. Please pour yourself a cup of coffee and let's sit down and talk. And I'm here with my regular companion at the dinner table. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you make it sound so sexy. <laughs> my name's Joe Hilliard. Yay. Hi, Joe Hilliard. How are you? I'm very good. I've got my cup of coffee. Of course, by the time you hear this, it will already have been passed. But today is Halloween <laughs> and it's a full moon. So Joe's going to make me a fire in the fire pit. We're going to burn the moon flower. It's the <laughs> inaugural fire of the winter. It is. We can't use our fire pit for fire during the summer when it's 110 degrees. But the last weekends of October, in our town anyway, notoriously some of the best weather of the year. Well, I can tell you one thing's for sure. I'm going to be dancing under the moonlight next to the fire. I'm going to be beating on a bongo. <laughs> beating on a bongo around a fire on Halloween with that full moon that oh, we were yeah. looking at last Oh, yeah. Casting time? spells, baby. Casting uh -oh. spells. Uh -oh. uh, Got to <laughs> yes. find a frog. All right. Well, this past couple weeks have been a lot of fun with our fans. And I want to say, you know, I'm real thankful for those of you that have really been listening to us since the beginning. Those of you that are new and that are really finding yourself to be super fans and sharing this with your friends. Ah, and that's critical. Ran into somebody the other day, and um, after we chatted a second, she said, uh, everybody in my office listens to y'all now. <laughs> And, uh, well, hello, uh, yeah, it's fun. Exactly. So yeah. And the story there was pretty good because, you know, a couple weeks ago we had done a friends with benefit episode again, our first one since COVID began. And we had gotten our friends, Susan and Francesco Inguijato, and they are the owners and the chef of Bolinos. Mm -hmm. And I was over at Bolinos the other night with my mom. A friend of ours, a, a couple came in the door and I saw them come in and they waved it. We waved at each other, you know, just politely. Our favorite restaurants have a community vibe. Absolutely. And later on, she came by and she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, hey, I just want you to know that we listen to your podcast and we love it. But she said one of the things that was really big was that we love Bolinos. She goes, we love Bolinos. But now we want to be a part of that family. We, f we feel what you what Oh, that we shared. talked. Okay. Yeah, that we talked about. And she's like, what makes that place so special beyond the deliciousness and the ingredients and the way that they cook and all of that? I had mentioned to her, I said, you know, we really liked that episode. We really love Susan and Francesco. They're very important people in our lives. And she goes, I could tell. You can tell. I hope that it really, truly benefits their business in such a grand way. It's interesting because you can imagine that when we first began the podcast, the beginning of season one, our listeners were largely our friends and family that we could say, hey, look, look mm -hmm. at, listen to this thing. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the analytics in the back of the podcast, at the first 10 episodes was largely where we live. Right. And it's been amazing over the last, what, 60 episodes or whatever that we've done to watch that number fall. Mm -hmm. But it's not disheartening because that just simply means that statistically more and more people from uh, not even around the country. But around the world. Around the world. Yeah. As they find it, our listenership in our town decreases as a percentage of total listeners. It's lent to some of the conversations we've had about what we want the podcast to be. We're local community type of people. I mean... Local first, baby. You know, truthfully, that's how we met, was about the connection local, about local mm -hmm. politics and about local community development and about... And about promoting how awesome the place where we live is, and you and I quickly had that in common. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the things that has happened recently in this past week of people reaching out and connecting with us and just talking to us is someone reached out and said, Hey, we're new to town. We've been listening to your podcast. 
I'm actually an artist and I listen to you while I paint, which I think is great because that's kind of the way we are about it. And that kind of gives me goosebumps. Yeah, it's, it's good. I'm just creating over here, listening to y'all's nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> we hope we're giving them nothing but good love. I hope we're giving them nothing but nonsense. Nothing but nonsense. <laughs> well, whenever somebody reaches out to me, I almost always say, I hope we made you laugh out loud because we're not here to tell you, oh, this is how you should live your life or whatever. We're just sharing our story stories with you. And the fact is that I want to make sure that we're extending nothing but joy. That's what we're looking for here. Back to that conversation about someone, you know, moving into town and saying, Hey, I listened to you guys. And then she said, can you tell us the name of the restaurants that you mentioned? So if we're talking about poke bowls mm -hmm. or Indian food mm -hmm. or best taco places in town or whatever, you know, our locals will actually want to know the name of the restaurant that we're going to. It's been a tightrope walk. Yes. And so the best way to do it is exactly what this person did. And that was she just reached out to me. Here's the deal. We try not to be too hyper local, but this is great. I'm so glad you reached out. You know, thank you. Please continue to do this, friends. Those of you that are listening, listening and did give her the name of our favorite Indian food restaurant and the pokey place on the island. And so that was a great conversation. Reach out to us. Ask us questions. Argue with us. Tell us, no, you, you I've listened to five episodes in a row and you haven't made me laugh out loud once. Let and, us know. And please tell a friend. And please tell a friend. So I did a thing. You do those sometimes. <laughs> I've done this one once before and you did it with me. Last week on the episode, I mentioned that if you really want to get to know your body, if you really want to get to know your eating habits, do a 21-day sugar fast. And as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was thinking to myself, you know, put your money where your mouth is. It may be time, Joe, for you to do that again. You and I did that two years ago, three years ago? Yeah, it's been a while, actually. And so the next day, which means that I'm on day five of a 21-day sugar fast, which is designed to do a couple of things. Number one, detoxify. Exactly. Number two, remind yourself how much sugar you're eating. And when I say sugar, I don't mean just granulated white sugar that I put into my coffee. In fact, the, you know, I'm a black coffee drinker now. Yeah. And I became a black coffee drinker during that first sugar fast so that you I. and I did. Yeah, so did I. And think about that. Every morning when I'd pour my cup of coffee, I'd put a teaspoon, teaspoon and a half or so of sugar into it every single day times 365. Mm -hmm. After that 21 day sugar fast a couple of years ago, I eliminated that amount of sugar from my life forever. That kind of reminder. How often when you and I, which is rarer and rarer we've discussed recently, sitting on the couch watching something, grab a beer instead of, I don't know, a glass of water or a glass of tea or a glass of sparkling water. Mm -hmm. To the point where on the first few days of that first sugar fast and even the first couple days of this one, I'm reaching for the phantom drink that is not there mm -hmm. and realizing, dang, I was consuming more grain than I needed to, more sugar than I needed to. And of course, the third point of it, if you do it kind of religiously, you can't help but become healthier. Yeah, that's the most important part to so me. So I'm on day five. So for the next couple of weeks, I'll just check in. And how's it going? How are you feeling? For the first couple of days, it is a shock to your system. No bread. No grain. No grain. Mm -hmm. 
No when grain. you go when you go out to eat with your family, yeah, it, it, it puts severe limitations on you, and that's the fourth thing that a sugar fast does is it, it reawakens you, makes you reaware of how much freaking sugar is put into everything that is sold for humans to consume in this country. Yeah, outside of the chocolate and the snacks that I eat, the grain-free thing is a massive shift in how you eat. I mean, it changes everything. And so like last oh, I've night... Wa- I've watched it change everything in our home. Yeah. Because even though I never went strictly grain-free, those same kind of shopping decisions, when I'm shopping for you, I can eat this, Aislinn can't. I can eat this, Aislinn can't. I, mm-hmm. And I, it's not that I need to follow exactly what you're doing because we don't right. really do it that way. Yeah. You don't give me grief. Well, and your I'm no body goat. type is different than my body type. Your your personal vices are a little different than my personal vices. That's true. You know, I mean, you have to handle things differently. You're older than me. I, I mean, I know that we don't really want to talk about that too much, but it, it is the truth. And so... Our lives are an open book. And if I'm... Truth, truth. <laughs> apparently. If I'm, you know, young and healthy... <laughs> Go ahead. I want to see where you're going with then this. Then you're going to need to be young and healthy too. <laughs> okay, okay. Right? Stop being so old. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I need to get out today on this beautiful Halloween and get myself a couple new tennis balls for the walker, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Better be careful. Well, I can't wait to dance nude. Wait, did we say nude? Under the moonlight tonight <laughs> while you cast spells and I, uh, I'm going to steal the bongo from you. <laughs> It'll be lots of fun. Unanswered questions. You asked last week, if someone brought me a non-carbonated white wine, is that the Prosecco that I ordered? Right. It's not. Right. I knew that. A Prosecco (laughs) is a sparkling wine. The difference... I like to try to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, like, maybe you know something I don't know. That's fair, right? The main difference between Prosecco and another sparkling wine champagne is the origin of the grapes. Well, that's where it got the name from. Correct. But the particular style is a bubbly. Because I didn't realize that rosé, you could get a bubbly rosé or a flat rosé. Correct. And so I would order a rosé and I'd be like, oh, this is flat. And I was expecting bubbles. See, I like the bubbles. That's the thing with me. I like the bubbles. The wine snobs out there, the champagne snobs out there, consider Prosecco to be the cheap, sure. everyman version of sparkling wine, and champagne is far, far superior. And the reason for the price difference is not the quality of the product, it's the cost of making it. Champagne is fermented inside each individual bottle. Uh-huh. Prosecco, where the grapes come from, the Prosecco region of Italy, is fermented inside a big vat and then bottled, oh. which is less expensive to produce, therefore less expensive to sell. Well, we mentioned a minute ago that we don't watch much TV, but every once in a while we get into a binge or I get into a binge situation. And I will tell you, Emily in Paris got watched in like a hot second. Well, if you watch Emily in Paris, you can learn all about how they turn the champagne bottles. (laughs) It's super fun. And then the other thing is, is that one thing I've learned about Prosecco, champagne, any of that stuff, rosé even for that matter, bubbly rosé, is that I like a dry, a brute, a I don't I don't want it real sweet. So that's one of the things is you've brought different ones home to me. I've been like, ooh, that one's ugh, ugh, that's like sugar, a bottle of sugar. I don't want that. You know, I want the really, really dry one. You bring up the way that I shop when we're trying to like learn something. Mm-hmm. I go to the grocery store. I find <laughs> the grocery store that has, or the or the liquor store, I guess in this case, that has the best selection, and then I just buy one. 
Mm-hmm. And then you enjoy it. And then I buy another. And then you enjoy it. And then the next week I buy the third. And then we're kind of doing like this Pepsi challenge thing <laughs> where I can know what is the basic Prosecco that we'll have in the house all of the time for when you are inclined to, to go that direction. That's how we found the Josh Cabernet. Uh-huh. And everyone should try a Josh Cabernet because it's pretty good. It's pretty basic, but it's pretty good. <laughs> One, I think you asked, what's the difference between a yellow onion and a sweet onion? Uh-huh. The, the answer is that the sweet onion is sweeter than the yellow onion. That would have been my guess. Then you wanted to <laughs> it's know a if sweet yellow onion. If people around the country that are listening can identify when we talk about something that we know started in Texas, and that's Schlotzky's. Uh huh. The Schlotzky's sandwich shop. It turns out Schlotzky's aren't exactly half of the states of the country. Twenty-five. I remember when I went to a camp on a bus in North Carolina from Texas, and on the way there. We stopped at a convenience store and everybody got to get out of the bus. It's a high school thing. And uh, there was this soda called Cheerwine. Uh-huh. Never heard of it. And someone picked up a can of it. Oh, I'll try something new. It's, we're in Alabama or wherever we were. Uh-huh. Is Alabama on the way? In North Carolina? Uh-huh. It was freaking phenomenal. <laughs> freaking phenomenal. Delicious soda. And it was then flat sugar soda? It was just... It, no, it was flat. No, it was sudsy. Well. I didn't know. What do you mean flat? It, well, it would be a Dr. Pepper, but a different well, okay. enough to not Dr. be a Pepper Dr. Pepper. Is flat sugar, flat sugar. Syrup. Where are you getting flat? I don't understand. It, flat. Just, it doesn't. It's not. It's not a good bubbly. Like oh, the carbonation of Dr. Pepper, you have an issue with. It's just syrup and not enough bubbles. When you drink a Coca Cola, God Almighty, it's one of the best tasting things that ever existed on the planet. And they've been doing it for a long, long time. Oh yeah, you just pop. I like to pop open a glass of the Mexican bottles, and mm-hmm. we don't do this. I mean, we used to actually do it more than we do now. We hardly ever do it anymore. Sure. Pop open that. You pour it in. The first sip, it just rushes those no bubbles to your nose. No carbonation has had a, a chance to escape. It's so good. I like it. But, but the, when you open a Dr Pepper, yeah, no, it's or it's, a Pepsi. Oh God, Pepsi's like flat crap. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> so the next time that we stopped on this trip, everyone bought cheer wine. And on the when we came back home, everyone bought cheer wine to like stick in their duffel bags and backpacks to have some when they got here. Mm-hmm. My point, regional sodas or uh-huh. regional fast food or regional anything. I love that about America. And when you and I have that, we haven't traveled in a while. I think most people haven't. Oh, we haven't traveled in a while, a while. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about when was the last time we did the fast. Mm-hmm. It was right after we got back from Boston. Well, I know that, that when we go... years ago. When we go to uh, Boston, good example. The regional chain of all farm-to-table clean meat burger joint that they have there. Yeah, We're going to try those kinds of things. So if you find yourself in a state and you drive by a Schlotzky's... You should just try it, but if you've never had it before, because it's a pretty delicious fast food sandwich. Yeah, it's one of the fast food restaurants our kids have learned over the years that they that we will say yes to. I know that both of us probably listen to an episode after its release, even though we've heard it a couple of times during the editing process. Do you have favorite parts? Favorite parts. Usually, actually, I do like unanswered questions a lot. My favorite part last week was when I... Did not know what Masago oh, yeah, yeah. was. And I, I made Maduro. I made up some kind of word that has to mean something in the You book. like just silly words, saying a bunch of silly words. That was my favorite part. Well, Poupon. It, oh, Grey Poupon, the picture of wealth and luxury from our childhood. <laughs> Grey Poupon. So you spent over the night at Bill's last night, Joe. What was your place like? They're rich. Oh, <laughs> they are? 
Grey Poupon in the refrigerator. <laughs> I tried to like steal just a little spoonful. Maguro. Masago. Masago with those little orange fish eggs that they'll sprinkle on top of different sushi rolls or mm-hmm. on top of a salad mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. We had it on our poke bowls last week. Yeah. It turns out that masago is the roe, R-O-E, roe. Roe is the egg. The fish eggs. Yeah. Of a specific species of fish. Like a tilapia type fish, probably. It's a capelin, C-A-P-E-L-I-N. But that sushi places that want to get fancy, there's several different types of roe. Several. Too many to list. I'm going to put some masago on this. I'm going to put some blue whale caviar on this one. Exactly. Now it's time for sushi. Let's go eat some sushi. Let's eat some sushi here on the campfire tonight. Mm. You know what I like even better than sushi? When you make amazing home-cooked meals. When I make amazing, I thought you'd say Indian food or Indian-inspired dishes here in the house. But then I had been talking about our personal favorite local farmers in terms of livestock. We've got several here, and we like all of them. We support them all. But in terms of our regular group that we purchase all the different types of um, meats from, goat, lamb, beef, pork, chicken, we buy all of that from them. They have had a recent processing of the goat and the lamb. And I'm always kind of like anxiously waiting for the goat and the lamb. When you buy your meat the way that we do, it's not like your grocery store where the product is available all of the time. Mm -hmm. They are raising at their farm X number of lamb. Mm -hmm. They get to the age where they can be harvested. Mm -hmm. They are... There is a limited amount of this meat. Mm-hmm. And because of that, there is created a supply and demand. Meaning the supply is large right now because it is freshly procured. And everyone that's missed it while it was absent and the animals were being raised for this go-round, rush. And the lamb is gone within a few weeks. Bacon is the same way. Because mm-hmm. only you know you can only get so much bacon out of one hog. Yeah. Last week I did a, um, a farmer conference online, like a webinar. And I actually think that that's the way that they should be doing it for farmers. And the reason is, is because I was listening on my phone to the webinar while working outside. So I could do both, but I have to leave the farm to go out of town to a conference and sit in a room where I really want to be outside, especially in October. And I was listening to a grass-fed beef conversation, and they were talking about the shift from direct-to-consumer and just wholesale sales to like restaurants and stuff like that. And they said the most frustrating thing about it is, is that a restaurant will call them up and be like, I want, you know, 7,500 T-bones. And they're like, great. What do I do with the rest of that 7,500 animals, you know, or whatever, however many. And so that, you know, that's the next step in the evolution of the way we process meat. Well, a restaurant's a great example because that menu, if it doesn't change in 365 days, that means that you need each item 365 days of the year. Right. And the way that we shop Mm -hmm. doesn't allow us that. Right. When it comes to meat, and you taught me this one, and you taught me about Indian food, and you... Let me get us back there. You held my hand and took me to the very first Indian restaurant that I ever stepped foot into up in San Antonio because we didn't have one at the time here in town. And it was a buffet style. And, and there like, on the buffet What has this girl done is, to me? <laughs> yeah. But baby, I'll follow that butt anywhere you want to take me, right? So it's like, it's I, I, Indian food is but... my favorite. And I'm going to have, I'd like Indian food. They have Indian food here. Let's go get Indian food. 
whatever you say, darling, <laughs> find me the place where you'd like to go and I'll take you there. And you're like, what do I do here? <laughs> and on the buffet, oh, it is intimidating the very first yeah. time you walk into almost any kind of cuisine. I, mean, I could tell you a story about the very first time I ate Vietnamese food, and it was the exact same thing. I was in Houston at my first corporate job, and everyone there is multicultural and international, and they're like, let's all go get Vietnamese food. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Love it. Yeah. Walk in. The menu's not in English. So someone ordered something, and I said, oh, that's exactly what I want. I had no idea what I ordered. And that Indian buffet is kind of the same way. Never been here before. Tell me what to do. But I remember at the end, the smallest container on the buffet was goat curry. Mm-hmm. Was it goat curry or goat vindaloo? Yeah. One or the other. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, goat? Mm. That's not a and meat. And you saw me cheat, I think, I'm, didn't you? Cheat. That's not cheat. a meat. Well, I'll get to that. That's not a meat that I am used to having in my vocabulary of the meats that are acceptable for me to eat. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to food, I've learned to follow you almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. Almost. Almost. Did you cheat? I suppose that you did because we didn't ask where the goat came from. Did it come from a farm nearby? That kind of thing. But goat has been one of the things traditionally when we go to Indian food while we're traveling, you will take a couple bites of the goat. I absolutely will. Why is that acceptable because there's not in your code there's not the same type of massive kfo and massive brooder houses and the way that the they, goat market is not large enough yeah, for they, it, it to be hyper hyper disgustingly processed industrialized gotcha. industrialized and they're not packing animals into the same types of situations they're not passing them through the same massive massive slaughterhouses. Maybe I'm justifying, validating. I don't really know. It's not something that I like. Yeah, we don't eat goat every other day. Right. It's very rare. I'll tell you another thing that I've learned since I have fully embraced and put Indian food near or at the top of my list of favorite foods. Every single time we eat Indian food, there are a lot of folks in that restaurant of Indian descent. Well, that's actually how you can tell the best Indian food restaurants, in my opinion. That's where when I was going. When you walk in and everyone in the room is a hipster college kid, it might be okay. Mm-hmm. But when you walk in the room yeah. and everyone there is... Well, they're not all from India, by the way. There's all different places in Asia that folks that eat that type of food. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> this is the most authentic. This is the most like grandma's. This is the most, you know what I mean? That's when I know I'm probably in a very good Indian food restaurant. Yes, agreed. Well, What a large intro to the idea that I made goat curry. You did. Well, we had mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that you were making it, that you were literally making it while we were recording the podcast. And it was delicious. I literally ate on it for three days. I would pull a a chunk of meat out and just like warm it up Mm -hmm. and then just like pick away at it. If you've ever eaten this type of thing, goat curry or goat vindaloo in the restaurant, when you get a bite of the meat, you're actually getting the bone and the fat and the meat all together. The bone is cooked in with it. And so this is the same way you had it. In the show notes of the episode, it will be a link to this recipe. If you have an Instant Pot, I suggest you try it if you can get your hands on some bone in goat. You're using whole spices, cumin seeds, cloves, cinnamon, bay leaf, cardamom, the whole... Then you're using spices out of your, you know, spice rack. Turmeric, chili powder, coriander, garam masala. I loved it. I enjoy it. I think anyone that is interested should try it. If you're interested in knowing more about the farmers we get things from, please just shoot us a message and I'll connect you up with those guys. They're great. 
And if you're willing to try, this is a good way to try goat if you've not had a ton of experience with goat. It's not bad. Last week, we mentioned that we were um, at really enjoying craft cocktails and stepping out and having those and trying to find places in our community that are truly making good craft cocktails. And you were actually over on the south side of our, our city where we don't tend to go all the time. And I was going to be over toward that direction. And I said, hey, why don't we do a little happy hour craft cocktail over at this basically like five-star dining. This other unnamed place. Right. (laughs) It's five-star dining type of situation, you know, but they have a really nice bar. And they have in the past over the years that we've gone over there had some really good craft cocktails. We're going to sit at the bar. Yep. Yep. Have a craft cocktail and an appetizer. Absolutely. I'm designating this a J-Hack snack. (laughs) That's cute. Do you want to meet up for a J-Hack snack? I know what that means now. Right, right. And we've had some luck here before. We have had some luck. That, as we a matter of fact, we talked. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We talked about their charcuterie, and we asked them about that, and they had said that that was one of the things that got taken off of the uh, the menu during the COVID reopen or whatever. Right. One of the things we tried was actually the escargot, and we have said that we may actually do a little challenge where we'll go to every place that we know has escargot In and town. really try to the same concept. Let's go to yeah. this one, and let's try this one. Let's uh-huh. try this one, and let's pick our favorite, and uh-huh. then we know what our favorite because is. because we were definitely disappointed compared to the other place that we like to eat escargot out pretty regularly. And so then I get up to go to the bathroom. And this is an important story. And it's not about this restaurant. Because as you say, and have said a lot lately, that you're giving people a lot of room right now. A lot of restaurants, a lot of leeway. Because of COVID. Yeah. Because of the challenges I know that they're having. Sure. So I get up and I go to the bathroom. And I want to remind everyone that we are at a Swanky. Truly one of the most expensive restaurants in yes. town. One of the two most expensive restaurants in town, really. And I go into the stall and my feet are sticking to the floor. And it's not just sticking in the stall, but definitely like in the stall sticking. The toilet paper rack is literally hanging off the wall. <laughs> There's like some toilet paper over here in a glob, just like nobody cleaned anything up. And I'm telling you right now, I truly felt like someone had vomited on the floor the night before and no one had even cleaned the bathroom. Or if they did, they did a half-assed job. There are some dive bars in town that we enjoy from time to time. And if you walked into the bathroom and had that experience in one of those spots, you might say, meh. I wouldn't be surprised. And the truth of the matter is we don't go to that many dive bar type of situations anymore because we'd prefer to have a craft cocktail in a five-star restaurant at the bar. But the fact is that what I walked out of that bathroom... And I didn't think, oh, it's dirty, so therefore, da-da-da, COVID, blah, blah. I never even had that thought. But my thought was... We haven't been able to bring the custodian back? Right. (laughs) No, that's not what my thought was. My thought was that our community, and I believe that there are other communities in this country and in this world and in our state, there is an extreme lack mentality, self-esteem issue. We will come to your five-star dining restaurant, pay the highest prices on drinks and food, but we aren't going to expect you to have in equal balance the cleanest, nicest bathrooms, the cleanest, nicest everything. It's really led me to thinking about this concept of community self-esteem. And it's really led me to thinking about what is it that we are worthy of as a community and as a as an individual and how do you handle those types of situations you know because also, i don't want to shit on people what I are just... our expectations right is that we're saying the same thing 
My expectations are continuously low because I live in a city that doesn't teach the population. I don't know if you, I don't even know if you teach the population or if it's a contagious notion that the population just picks up that I expect excellence, especially when Mm -hmm. I'm going to a $75 a person at the end of the night, depending on if I don't go too crazy with the wine or the expense of this or that. Right. It's not just the food on the plate. It's and the it experience extends. across the board. It extends to everything. And so what ends up happening is, is that when a community is deep in that sort of low vibe value system, we're not that valuable. Mm-hmm. It drives away the people that are val- that feel valuable. So you end up with less young professionals that are at that moment of hope and great worth and value. I have a college degree and here I go off into the world and I'm going to be able to do anything I want to. It deters the, the w- actual wealthy population, the population of people that are going to on a regular basis, but it also lends back to the types of leaders that we vote for, vote into office. It leads back to the education that we create, the types of educational systems that we create. Tolerance for litter. Mm-hmm. Tolerance for community infrastructure that's paid for by the larger city or mm-hmm. county government to be a little shoddy, mm-hmm. to be not quite excellent. Mm-hmm. I've said that people that live in communities like this, that the community could benefit more than anything if there was some kind of system where we get everyone in the town traveling. Because you and I have been blessed with travel. And we have gone to cities that have the exact opposite point of view. True. That everything that we do will be excellent and we will not accept anything less. You know the one that leaps to mind? Phoenix. You and I went to Phoenix. I had no expectations of Phoenix whatsoever. I was blown away by what the city leaders, and this is that unknown that I had earlier, Mm -hmm. that they've taught their public to have high expectations or the public has demanded of their leaders that there be high expectations. Yeah. Well, and I started, I have been thinking about this travel concept and yes, travel is important, but I don't think that you can send somebody with low vibe low self-esteem to another city and go, oh, if you go over there and look at that and see that, then you'll come home with a better self-esteem and more desire to have that in your community. No, you won't. You'll just come home because we've seen it. We, we hear it. We hear people talking back to us about it. And that is, no, we'll never be able to have that here. And when I drive around this community and I know that some of the most, literally some of the most wealthy people on the entire planet have vested interest in the businesses and the industry that is happening in our area, where the frick is that money going? And why don't we expect it here? And why don't we raise our standards in a way that they want to spend their money? Because the conversation we're having is that the, the community at large doesn't even understand that there are better things. That's I think it. that they do understand that there are better things. I think that they don't believe they deserve it. They're not worthy of it. They're not educated enough. They're not da 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 da. But all of that stuff comes from a lack mentality that started a long time ago. Probably started in the eighties deeply. That's like we got into a place. We got kind of broke down, and everybody got broke down, and we've allowed the same freaking leaders. We've been scared to, to grab leading. success because it could all go away again if there's another oil bus yeah. issue. Yeah, Could absolutely. Be. Could be. That's the literally, this is literally the reason I ran for office. Mm-hmm. Because I, the truth of the matter is I knew I wasn't going to beat that 
old politician that had been doing it since the 80s. Mm-hmm. But I did know that I could at least have a conversation and say, Corpus Christi, you are worthy of vision, vitality, honesty, and life. Like, let's get out there. Let's let's enjoy our community. Holy f***ing shit. You don't have to. You can bleep that, but don't take it out. Because I drive every morning and look mm-hmm. at one of the most beautiful the bays. The most beautiful in, in Texas. On the, the most planet. beautiful coastal view in Texas. And the sun coming up and the water is glass sometimes. Sometimes it's rocking and rolling. Sometimes there's fog. It is just And the amazing. places that we talk about on this podcast, whether we name them or not, are available to you, maybe for a special occasion, maybe every day. Mm-hmm. That if you got a calendar out and it was blank for the year and you started plugging in every single festival and every single amazing cuisine thing that we've got, two of them coming up, Greek festival, which I freaking love. It's gonna be. We've co- dropped enough f bombs. It's gonna today be. Already. It's gonna be COVID. It's gonna be COVID style. Meaning this year it's not drive a go through. and huge community. I'm completely fine. It's with gonna that. be drive through. <laughs> the weekend following the Jewish food festival, uh-huh. one of my second favorite one of the year. Uh-huh. Same thing, drive through. Uh-huh. I'm going to in my home over the next two weeks have authentic gyros and authentic. Spankapotopias. What are those things called? Spankapotopias. And, and, then, and then the following week. But you're talking to people that live cabbage, in cities that have that as a I restaurant know, all the, the time. I know. It's the point that I'm making. It's that it's all here. It's all here. You just have to look a little bit harder. I don't harder. even think. See, I'm going to go back to what the whole concept of bringing this conversation was. Oh, it's ahead. not about looking. It's about worth. It's about lack mentality. It's about self-esteem. If I can do anything... Today, when you walk away after listening to this podcast, if I can say to you that you are valuable and worth the most desirable things you've ever desired in all of your life, you are, I promise, get on with it, enjoy your life, and if you're feeling down in the dumps and you can't see something to be happy about, you got to find something. Look around. There's a freaking hummingbird buzzing around. There's a kid that is just so happy with smiling cherub cheeks at you. Kiss him. Whatever it is, tap into your value. You are worthy. I love you. How does it begin for a city to turn around, though? How does a community with Le- lack mentality? Leaders. Leaders? Yep. And they're here. They're here. They're everywhere. They're everywhere, y'all. But they're here. There's some massive leaders here now. And I'm it's it's I'm like, oh, 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 oh. because for two decades, literally you and me both on maybe even in parallel paths, maybe we didn't even know each other for two decades. We've been putting our creative energy into this community. There My are, mind's completely selfish. There are more here. I want to but build the things that I want that don't exist. That's no the one way else it is going to do is. it. So I'm going to and do it. That's the way it always is. You clean up your side of the street first, and the rest of the people on that street start cleaning up yeah, their the side cleaning of the street. Cleaning up my too. side of the street was building buildings of things that I wanted on my street. It's still cleaning up okay. your side of the street. <laughs> that was not the only time I used the Instant Pot this week. I had gone to the farmer's market. I had gone to our favorite meat vendor, and I had bought... They do a thing where if you spend $50... Is this the same farmers we were can, talking about before? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, you yeah, can yeah. get a $10 coupon. Uh-huh. I stick it in my wallet. I accumulate them. And then sometimes my meat is free for the week. Uh-huh. Well, I would, if, I, if I get to $40. I would really like to bring them on the podcast for our friends with benefits. Totally done. So when I get to $40, I'll spend 10 more dollars. They're winning, but mm-hmm. that's fine because mm-hmm. I'm winning too when I bring a single thing of pork chops in. Put them in the freezer. Not enough for everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Next week, I'm at $37. Better spend 13 more dollars. Let me get let me get some more of these pork chops. I accumulated an amount of pork chops where I think I told you I'm bored. Me too. I get bored when it's the same. I said, I could do pork chops. I have those. Okay, do them. Instant pot again. Those are the best pork chops I ever ate. And that's not the truth. Yes, they were. You've eaten a lot of great pork chops. No, those are the You've best pork chops. You've eaten exceptional pork chops those in are the your best life. Por- those are the best pork chops I've Who ever eaten. Who made the best pork chops that you've ever eaten? Joe Hilliard. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> they were undoubtedly the best pork chops I've ever and eaten. And again, this recipe is going to be in our notes, on our social media. Find it if you want to try some of the best pork chops that you've ever eaten. Bone in, in the Instant Pot, over sauce that you made the instant pot requires liquid in it Mm -hmm. but this was use your butter to saute inside the instant pot one pot dish your onions and your garlic and then throw in your mushrooms and cook those for about eight to ten minutes so that most of the moisture has escaped the mushrooms then put broth in then put the pork chops salt and peppered then your pressure cook but because you've already in the same pot seared both sides of the pork chops the recipe tells you how to do it exactly. <laughs> but you then take your pork chops out and put in a mixture of milk and flour. I used arrowroot to keep it grain free. Thank you. Which gravies up the stuff that's been cooking in those pork chops. Then I think that was the night that I said, let's do some asparagus from the grocery store. You did. Yeah, well, you were trying to, we don't have a ton of produce right now. No. You made baked potatoes mm. and I love baked potatoes. I skipped the baked that's potato because I'm sugar yeah. free right now. You made a nice salad with the homemade ranch dressing the way you make it and some asparagus so that our pee could smell good the next day. My pee reeked. <laughs> There's something satisfying about that. <laughs> asparagus pee. And I said, what I said as soon as I sat down to eat the, the asparagus was, why the hell am I not growing asparagus yet? Asparagus is not that hard to grow. I mean, it takes a few years to get it established, but asparagus it's fun for me to make pea, an asparagus bed. Like the 21-day sugar fast, asparagus pea is the largest indication that food affects your body. Think about that. Mm. No matter well, what you eat, you're going to go pee or telltale sign. number two the next day. But it's not going to affect you. Do you ever wonder, because sometimes I haven't eaten asparagus and I'm like, dude, my pee smells. What did I eat? That is a thing that makes your pee smell. Like asparagus is like notorious, but there are other things that make your pee smell. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to add to that, <laughs> but think about that. I My pee smells like nothing most of the time, but if I eat this vegetable... Uh-huh. A, t- a couple of bites of this vegetable. Uh-huh. The next time I pee, or maybe two times after that, that's it, an unanswered it's question. It's gonna change. We need to get it. A, we need to get a better idea of that. Why may be or... the best unanswered question that we've ever asked. <laughs> check right, our notes. Time. Check our notes. Check our social media. We're on all of it to yes. uh, find the recipe for these pork chops, the best ones you've ever eaten. Yes. That's and high, if you have questions about places that we go locally or anything that we're specifically naming, just send us a message and we would be happy to answer those questions. <laughs> Table topics. If you had three wishes, what would they be? Are we eliminating that the first wish is 20 more wishes? You don't have to eliminate anything. Well, then then the first wish is that I get unlimited wishes, and then I just walk around and say, I'd like a Lamborghini to get to work today. Oh, I'm not even going to work today because I'm going to wish again that I've got $17 billion in the bank account. And then uh, I would say, yeah, a billion dollars. 
then I'm debt free and then I never have to worry about anything. A billion and, dollars yeah. is just not not and not nearly enough. A billion dollars is a limitation when yes. the wish is that it's unlimited. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm not working from a zero sum game where if I get a billion dollars, other people get a billion dollars less amongst them. Um, I, but I want to be more reasonable for the sake of answering the question on the show. Okay, I'm going to say uh, $2 billion. $2 billion, that's enough. That's going to set me up fine. Mm -hmm. uh, you're shaking your head, but I get to go first because you asked me the question. <laughs> I'm going to say a nice wad of money to where I and many generations of my family never have to think about money again. Of course, in the various expansive trust documentation my future generations will have to have some level of excellence to receive the money this is not going to be a free ride then with that i think that that's all i need i'm not going to wish for eternal life i'm not going to i would wish that i don't die painfully mm -hmm. and i would wish that i don't know how i execute this that my kids and succeeding generations are true to themselves Mm -hmm. Those are very vague. I didn't wish for a Lamborghini. I don't want a Lamborghini. I didn't wish for wishes a big house on a hill. Because I'm, well, you know. Give it to me. Maybe, maybe you'll even change my mind. I can amend some of mine. My wishes are for unlimited wealth that leads to complete and total freedom. Okay. I wish for... Our number one is in common. That's interesting. I wish for a lifetime of painlessness. No pain. No pain. We don't need pain. We could feel all kinds of awesome things, but we don't need to feel pain. Let's move on without that stuff. I wish that my name, that Aislinn, is a name that is known for centuries after my death. I believe that you will have that. Ironically, people are going to look at the name and call you Aislinn. <laughs> Who names their kid Aislinn? I love that about America. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. I don't even know what we're talking about. Why are we talking about Just this? Just talking. All right. Because what does that have to do with goat curry? Nothing. Exactly. So when I make Indian themed dishes... Let's cut everything out. <laughs> <laughs>